sit down and buckle up. It's time for the Pirate Monk Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Pirate Monk Podcast. Oh yeah, here it is. Time again to get behind the microphone and have a scintillating conversation with a good friend. I, I got another guy with me today. Uh, Aaron Porter is not available today, but Chris Inman, none other than Chris Inman, who, by the way, has become or is becoming a podcaster in his own right, doing some great shows. Yeah, uh, Chris yeah. Inman is uh, joining us today. I've really enjoyed. I, uh, somebody directed me, gave me a link to the YouTube. Uh, uh, talk to me about your. It, it's it's a video podcast. You're going to go. With yeah. That. Yeah. So it'll be an audio podcast at some point. Um, you know, porn free masculinity is kind of the the shingle that I've kind of put out there yeah, yeah. for doing recovery work. And uh, a pirate monk friend of ours, Rob Chenoweth, you got Rob Chenoweth, the man with the beard. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And what I love about Rob is that you know I have all this podcasting gear, headphones, microphone. Rob just sets up a laptop and he sounds better than me. <laughs> just naturally, I think Rob is just a more beautiful person than I am, and in, in general respects because. We just have conversations. We literally, I went to him and said, hey, what would it be like to have a conversation around um, recovery? And let's yeah. just get on a topic and talk it out. So I love doing that with Rob. Yeah, now you call those the mirror. And then you have another yep. partner that, that you do something that's sort of even uh, gets, I love it, by the way, it gets pretty raw. Uh, yeah. And yeah. we got balls. Tell us yeah, about that. Scott Scott Cohn and I started that, and it really was burst out of Scott and I did our training with Jay Stringer, the author mm -hmm. of Unwanted, mm -hmm. and we both became Unwanted certified guys. And we guides when we were training with Jay, uh, we asked about the concept of an arousal template. I'm sure you yeah. know what that is. Yeah, but for yeah. those who don't, it's this that the words you type into the search bar when you're looking to act out. You know yeah. what what are the things that come up for you? And so we wanted to create a, uh, a a question mark, an invitation for guys to get curious around their own uh, sexual arousal. And so we just do topics on sexuality, male sexuality. It's called We Got Balls. Uh, and it's it's a great conversation. Um, who knows where it goes? We definitely, uh, it is not for the highly religious or moralistic. We, we talk unfiltered. <laughs> You know, we got inspired by the Pirate Monk podcast, and we yeah. just like, hey, let's go for it. Okay, that's fantastic. And you're still doing your story retreats? Oh uh, yeah, we yeah, had I think a couple of weeks ago, the same weekend, Aaron and I were in Colorado. You were uh, on the other side of the country, up in the mountains, another set of mountains with a bunch yeah, of guys. We went to the small mountains, one okay. of the Appalachian mountains. You guys were in the big, beautiful Rocky Mountains. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, tell me about the story retreats. Oh, it was great. We found a new new location up near Bryson City, North Carolina, about 3,100 feet up. We got to wake up to the sunrise over the mountains, and we had 16 guys come up. And uh, what we've done for the last three years is just uh, invite guys to write stories, a story of blessing and a story of harm, and to share them with the group. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think, um, you know, it's kind of similar uh, to, 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 to the conversation we're, we're um, going to have with our our guests today, but mm -hmm. just being able to process through trauma and be with, uh, other sympathetic, empathetic and attuned, um, people who can sit with us in the middle of our own brokenness. And, 
uh, I got to share a story as well. And the, the guys loved on me and cared for me. And so it was really beautiful to be able to connect. And we got to go uh, drink by a, uh, some rapids and have some barbecue <laughs> yeah. and, and do fire pit. So. All right. Oh, you were on the Nantahala. You know, have you ever rafted the Nantahala? Oh, I did. I did. So yeah. my son and I went when he was 14. That was kind of like his male initiation trip. We went to uh-huh. the Nantahala. I made him do an individual inflatable kayak. So he had to go over the rapids by himself. Holy and he smoke. crashed out. It was great. We got it on picture, on, on photo. <laughs> and just crashing out. And it was it was a great experience because you know you need to fail a little bit in life and be loved after it so, uh-huh. to grow up. So that's a very special place. The Nantahala is is my happy place. That's where uh-huh. I go to retreat. I love it. Oh, fantastic! Well, you have mentioned our guest. I have really been looking forward to this conversation because I know uh, the substance of this man's work and also uh, of his character. Uh, listeners, you're in for a treat when we return on the Pirate Monk Podcast. Hey, let's take just a moment to mention LifeWorks Counseling, our sponsor here on the Pirate Monk Podcast. This is uh, Roan and Eva and Roe Hunter working out of Madison, Mississippi, but serving the entire country. Well, these days, I don't think they're even restricted to the U.S., But whether you are an individual needing help or whether you need help as a couple, these are the folks who really know men's issues, women's issues, experts in recovery from sexual addiction, extramarital affairs, sexual brokenness of all kinds, porn addiction, false intimacy. They also can provide a therapy for depression and anxiety or for anger issues. And they are equipped to help with spiritual formation and soul care. In fact, uh, Roan and Eva will even work as a couple with a couple. If your marriage is at a spot where you really need some people who've been through the wars themselves and come out the other side, there's no better equipped couple to help you than Roan and Eva Hunter. There's also coaching available. So you can work either with a certified sex addiction therapist, a certified marriage and family counselor, or with a certified coach. And you can do it directly in person or online. Uh, The way to find out more is to go to lifeworks.ms. Lifeworks.ms, that's LifeWorks Counseling. Welcome back to the Pirate Podcast. We are privileged to have with us as our guest this week, Dr. Michael Barta. That should be a familiar name to many of you. Uh, He is a pioneer in the field of sex addiction therapy, one of the very first to make that intuitive connection between trauma and sex addiction. In fact, uh, you may very well have his book on your shelf, Tinsa. If you don't have it, get it. He's joining us. He's taking a break from a vacation. He's joining us from uh, Montana. Mm. And we are just so grateful that he made the time. Dr. Barra, welcome. Thank you very much for having me. It's exciting. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you have, if I'm remembering correctly, you have a background in 12-step recovery. Yes. Is that true? Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, and that was, uh, those, that was the first door I came through as well. 
And I'm to this day grateful to that room and to those men and uh, to the way I got started in recovery from sex addiction. Me too. For me, that was 25 years ago. Wow. And nobody was talking trauma. No. No, no. Uh, what was, if I can ask you, what was your early experience in 12-step recovery? And how did uh, the trauma connection start to come into focus for you? Well, so first of all, um, my 12-step, uh, you know, um, beginnings began with alcohol. Mm-hmm. That was 38 years ago. Mm. And, you know, as I, you know, stayed sober from alcohol and drugs, that's when the other problem kicked in. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and so it happens quite often in the rooms. I yeah. see a lot of people suffering from that. Um, so when I finally did decide to do something about my sex addiction, I went to a treatment center. And in the treatment center, um, you know, I, I was already a psychologist and I was I was pretty underwhelmed mm-hmm. by the treatment philosophy there. And I I left and I was just like, you know, what did I really get out of this? Okay. Mm-hmm. Because I had been in 12 step for so long that, you know, it just seemed like they were taking concepts from the 12 step program and then laying it over this sex addiction field. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it didn't, it, it didn't really land well with me, but, you know, I decided to give it a try. And then, um, and then I went to SAA but the problem was, um, you know, shortly after my recovery, about a year in, I got associated with um, ITAP, which oh, is yeah. oh. brain CSATs, right? Yeah. And so I became a CSAT and I started seeing clients individually. And it, it, was, it was pretty disheartening at the beginning because I was using the current model that was, was being used there. And... Um, I kept seeing a high recidivism rate sure. of what's going on. Mm. So in 2011, I decided that there's something wrong here. Okay. And um, at that time, this guy named Stephen Porges with the polyvagal theory mm-hmm. was getting a big name for himself. So I looked into that and it, it was almost immediate. It was, it was just this click of, oh my gosh we're doing these behaviors because something's wrong. Something happened to our brain and autonomic nervous system that made us start looking outside of ourselves for an internal sense of stability and regulation. Right. And from that point on, it was just, you know, I just started working with, with people from that perspective and, you know, the, the recovery rate started getting a lot faster, a lot higher. Mm-hmm. I continued doing that. Um, and, uh, you know, formulating my old mo- own model, which at that point became Tim, uh, Tinsa, the trauma induced sexual addiction. And I was really interested in how trauma affected, you know, this developing system and, you know, if we didn't get, if we were traumatized, then 
then we were likely going to try to do something to feel better. It was like a no brainer. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And so Tinsa evolved. And then, you know, I started a treatment center with that model in mind, a two week, a two week center, um, did that from 2016 to 2020. And then I sold that, that, um, particular treatment center, uh, to, to another larger corporation. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I hope I'm not giving too much background. No, no, this is great. Good. And then, uh, then what I did, you know, I took a little bit of time off, and then I decided that I can't just, you know, sit around. Um, and I decided to really revamp what I was doing because there was a ton of new neuroscience between 2017 mm-hmm. and 2020. Mm-hmm. And so what I did is I decided, you know, I'm going to keep some of the basic same framework that Porges uses in, in explaining to people about how their brain and their autonomic nervous system work. But then I really want to go in and I want to start looking at, at specifically what kinds of trauma people have. Because a lot of people, even today, you know, still counselors use this this notion of big T and little t trauma, mm-hmm. right? So, but no one ever goes in and goes, okay, well, what is a little t, right? Yeah, yeah. And and so that really fascinated me, and that's when I came up with this notion of deprivation trauma, mm-hmm. and I started really looking at well, what's being deprived in these people that you know, makes this autonomic nervous system dysfunctional. And so I really looked at a need-based kind of approach. Mm -hmm. So if you look at sex addiction, and a lot of people will be familiar that it's also called an intimacy disorder. Sure, right. And so what is an intimacy disorder, right? And basically what an intimacy disorder is, is that one person cannot co-regulate with another person and you know you may call that connection right Mm -hmm. but connection is really co-regulation and what co-regulation is is when one autonomic nervous system intertwines with another autonomic nervous system and both people benefit from that Mm -hmm. and that's how we're designed Mm -hmm. right but if we did not get what we needed while we were forming, we do not have our autonomic nervous system does not have the ability to allow this co-regulation to occur. Mm-hmm. So, so what you're saying in the deprivation trauma, just to put a pin on it, because I, I love what you're saying about this, because I do think in my own recovery uh, and seeing that the, the big T and the little T it's just too general. So what are the things that are, are that you are seeing that are deprived from people who struggle with an intimacy disorder or sex addiction, however you want to use it, that tends to be um, really strong indicators for, for this type of struggle? Well, thank you. Um, because so if the goal is to treat intimacy disorder, mm-hmm. right, and intimacy disorder is like um, the, the big wound inside your arm. Mm-hmm. And our sexual behaviors are the rash on top of our arm. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
And current treatment models pretty much give you stuff to put on the rash. Yep. Right. Okay? Yep. Yeah. But, but the rash is going to keep coming back and back and back. So we got to go in and treat, you know, what's causing the rash. And that's what, what this intimacy disorder is. And in my work, in my research, what I found is what we're deprived of are three essential things hmm. that we need to have. They're imperative. So, I mean, they must happen mm-hmm. for us to be able to co-regulate with another human being. And by the way, I just want to throw this in there really fast because it seems to be that this intimacy disorder and the inability to co-regulate is particularly found with a partner or a spouse. Okay. Mm. So it's it's someone who is very valuable to the person that wow. they can express their uh, their vulnerability or authenticity, right? Mm-hmm. So what we first need in order to become functional at co-regulation is a stable environment. Mm-hmm. Okay, stability is at the at the core of everything, and stable means that our environment was consistent and predictable, right? Mm-hmm. That you know we had consistent caregivers, mm-hmm. we had consistent food, shelter, those types of things. We could rely on our caregivers to be predictable, like they one day they're friendly, the next day they come mm-hmm. home angry. You know, this is all messing with st- people's stability. The amount of men I treat with the lack of stability because of frequent moves is just off the charts. Mm. You know, oh, they're moving every other year or every year or every six months. And what that's doing to this little nervous system is, is it's not being able to form because of the lack of stability that it requires. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's talking about like location. That's talking about family structure. That's talking about uh, talking emotional about presence. Well, yeah, hundred percent. Okay, so we have this environment that the kid can predict what's going to happen next. Mm-hmm. Okay, if we don't have that, we're going to always be concerned of what's going to happen next. When is the next shoe going to drop, right? How is how is my life going to change on a dime? Mm-hmm. Right? So we need the stability. Right. We also need what's called emotional safety. Okay. And emotional safety is the ability to express our emotions. Mm-hmm. All right. It's not only ability to express our emotions, these emotions need to be validated, but they also need to be guided. Okay. Mm -hmm. So they need someone who can teach us how to internally regulate. Mm -hmm. So our, the caregiver has to provide modeling, has to provide assistance for these emotions to be able to be there because how many of us have heard, you know, don't cry or I'll give you something to cry about. Right. Or, you know, you're bad for feeling that way. Or men don't feel, boys don't feel, those types of things. And so that's really taken away these people's capacity for emotional expression, 
but also mm. emotional knowledge. All right. Mm. So they don't even understand what they're feeling. And then they don't understand how to deal with the feeling that's going on. Mm. Right. Okay. So now we have stability. We have emotional safety, which is going to provide us with the sense of internal security. Mm. You know, my emotions are here. They're not going to go away. Right. And I, Although I can disassociate from them, deny them, I can lose conscious contact with them, right? 100%. Yeah. Right. And that's what occurs in the autonomic nervous system when they're not allowed. Right. Because what are we going to do with them when we're kids? Mm. Right? The child can only think concretely. It can't think abstractly. So it doesn't know that mom or dad are the ones that are ba- that are doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. We have to take it. We take it personally. Sure. We're like, if I can't, if I can't do this, then, then I must be bad or so, this must be bad. So that, that experience is kind of like that formative seed of shame, right? So we're in this space and I love what you say in your book about shame is just an unhelpful emotion. And yet it's the seed and the root of all this addictive behavior. So this this experience with trauma, um, what is it that we tend to do when we have no, an unstable environment or no emotional safety or no internal security? I mean, what does that create? Because I think it's important to see the root causes, like you talk about, of where all this began so that we can be more compassionate towards ourselves in the struggle. That's right. So you're asking me, what do these two things cause? Yeah. What What does all yeah. this well, environment is create? Is there a third one? Are we, there is a third one. Three or internal security number three. I'm trying to track here. So that's okay. And then I'm going to answer that because that's an excellent question. And you okay. named some of it. Okay. Okay. But the third one is we need to have mental safety. And mm. mental safety is that we get to express our thoughts our beliefs, you know, it's the expression of really who we are and that's validated. Mm-hmm. And we also, to, to become mentally stable, need to be able to be in an environment where mistakes are okay. Mm-hmm. They're not mm-hmm. punished or humiliated. All right? We get to be who we are. And what I'm talking about here, you guys, what it's taking away all three of these things is our ability to be authentic. Mm-hmm. Right. We reject who we really are, which is the shame mm-hmm. because of these three things not being met. Mm-hmm. So we're rejecting who we are. So with that's, that's what this is creating is um, and what trauma does create is stuffed or stored emotions that occur at the time of the event. Right. And it also, from that moment it happens, then that forms the beliefs about ourselves, about what the trauma means about us. Okay. So Mm -hmm. if I'm told, don't think that way, don't feel that way. Or I get in trouble at school and I come home and I tell my mom about it and she punishes me too instead of trying to hear, you know, what happened. I'm going to make up that myself 
the real me inside is not valuable, not worthy, not able to succeed. Right. Mm. So when we're talking about, you know, losing authenticity, we're also talking about losing our ability to have agency over our lives. Mm. Right. But when I go, you know, neuroscientific on this, (laughs) it kind of goes, it kind of is, it's parallel. I'm kind of explaining the personal thing. But what these three things do, if we do not have them, is it takes our away our ability to socially engage. Mm -hmm. So we have a social engagement system. And I'm sorry, I'm getting scientific here. But that's in control of everything. You know, that's that's mm-hmm. the social engagement systems, our eyes, our ears, our face. It's what how we read the environment. Mm-hmm. Okay. And we have to have these three needs met for that system to form correctly. Mm-hmm. This system also keeps our lower systems offline, which means it keeps our fight and flight offline. And it keeps our freeze or immobilization or dissociation off. So what happens to us, you guys, if we don't have a social engagement system, where do we live? Right? We, yeah. Lower we, brain. Yeah. We live <laughs> in social engaged, or I'm sorry, we live in sympathetic. Yep. We're, we're right. fearful, right? Yep. yep. We're insecure. And we're acting impulsively and instinctively rather than thoughtfully and out of, uh, out of our desire. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we don't have the capacity to see consequence. We don't have the capacity to think rationally, you know, and, and basically what we're driven towards is what I'm finding is we're driven to meet these three needs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I should have said at the very beginning, you know, the most important need a human being has is safety. Yes. Mm-hmm. And the only way we can actually feel safe is when we co-regulate with another human being. Mm-hmm. This is why 12-step works so well. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. we're in this group, right? And what are all of our autonomic nervous systems doing together at the same time? Yeah, yeah. We're, yeah, we're yeah, co-regulating. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Right? Yeah. We're, we're getting a sense of profound safety, you know, and we're being accepted for who we are. It's meeting all three of these needs. But m- what I'm doing in my five-day program right now is, you know, Tinsa was great, and it's a, an amazing, strong, strong program, and it still is for the people that use it. And what I want to do now, though, is I want to start healing immediately the causes of, you know, what Tinsa showed us. Mm-hmm. It showed us the trauma. So I want to start, I want and have these men find immediate connection. I want these guys to not only know what happened to them, but how their autonomic nervous system actually changed, but then how to get their social engagement system, number one, activated and strengthened while they're there Mm -hmm. so they can go out into the world and start being themselves again. Mm -hmm. So is this group work? This is all group work. Okay. Yeah. 
So what sense. do you what do you do? I mean, that's five days to get people engaged socially, emotionally. <laughs> I mean, it, it almost sounds like you're pulling a rabbit out of your hat yeah, to do this. There's a magic wand involved. <laughs> yeah. It is a magic wand. The, 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 the secret sauce is, you know, my emphasis that these guys have to do everything together. Okay. Okay. There's oh. no, there's, there's no downtime. There's no alone time. Hmm. Oh, wow. Right. They're constantly using social engagement to be there while they see what would damage their social engagement system and, and start to heal it through specific exercises. And we do brain spotting. We do some trauma type things in, mm-hmm. in the intensive as well. But, but the real secret is about having these guys connect with each other in this group work Uh and they really have to get vulnerable because they go very deep in what hurt them. Yeah. Yeah. We spend eight hours one day with everybody reading everything that hurt them on a trauma timeline. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. And so, you know, after that eight hours, these people, know each other like they've never known anybody before. And they're also knowing like mm-hmm. they've never been known before. Mm-hmm. And they're terrified to do it. But after it, they say, regardless, you know, I, I have a uh, evaluation at the end and every time they say that's their best day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Because we need to be seen. We need to be heard. We need to be acknowledged. Yeah. Yeah. And this is the stuff that's stored in there, right? This is what yeah. they've been carrying around all the time trying to avoid. And so that's what they do. And then once that's out, what we can then do is look at their behaviors and see how they're trying to control the pain of the trauma through all kinds of behaviors, including acting out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. So that's what we do. There's also a day in there where we really specifically look at how they harmed their wife or their partner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we start to heal that as well. And we do a lot of role playing. Okay. With okay. that because they need to be nailed in order to understand where they're going to go when they're, you know, being assaulted right. verbally because of the pain and the anguish that their, their partner's experiencing. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you this. Do you have a, a wingman in this or are you a solo therapist for this group of guys? I'm wondering, it sounds emotionally uh, and, uh, 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 exhausting. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you have to go to Montana every now and again to get away. Yeah. For each one. Right. But yeah. it is, it's very grueling work, but it's, it's just so rewarding. Um, you know, to, to be able to see, an actual person have their social engagement system activate maybe for the first time in their life. Mm 
mm-hmm. right? Where they're taking these chances and being vulnerable enough to connect with another human being is incredible. Yeah. yeah. And then they just continue this connection more and more as the week goes on. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah, I'm, I'm overwhelmed. They're overwhelmed. Yeah. But, um, it's just terrific work. And, and basic, basically I made it five days long because we don't need a lot of fluff. Mm-hmm. Right. right. You don't need smoke breaks. You don't need yeah. sitting around a fire pit. You, mm-hmm. you need to be actively engaged with another human being. So I'm, I'm just curious about the intensity of that as you're doing that, that one day, the trauma work day where you're go, everybody's going through a trauma timeline and just unearthing just the biggest shit in their life, you know, that that's been totally buried for years or decades. Yes. And, and then you go immediately into the coping behavior. How do you help the guys connect emotionally and, and some, you know, interpersonally, this piece of you had these hurts and this is how you've medicated them. This is how you've coped with them. We have to go in first of all, and really look at what, you know, we, we ferret out the biggest sensations that are still stored in them okay. by going through exercises. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, okay. And, it, and it always comes down, you know, they have three or four that repeat, after Mm. every trauma that they've looked at. So now they're knowing, okay, this is, these are the emotions or the feelings or the sensations that are driving. Mm. And they're Mm. like, Oh, wow. And then we look at what each traumatic event made them believe about themselves. And they pull out four or five main beliefs they have about themselves. These are negative beliefs about them. Hundred percent, right? Yeah. I'm bad. I'm unworthy. I can't be trusted. I can't trust anybody. These types yeah. of things, because we got to make what's going on inside of them conscious. Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. So then they're looking at this, and I I have these little symbols that I use. Okay, so when we're looking at their trauma, what I have is I have a, you know, a a, a little um, pressure cooker. Okay. And they they see that this is what it is inside their body. There's just this pressure that keeps building and building and building. Okay. Mm-hmm. Then what they're gonna do is they're gonna try to relieve that pressure. Mm-hmm. Now this isn't conscious, right? Right. It's just, hey, and I, I I can speak to this for myself. So you know, when I was 12 years old and my brother, God love him, gave me my first beer mm-hmm. and he gave me my second beer and I was in Nirvana, right? Mm-hmm. And I used to think all the time that I really loved that feeling. I thought mm-hmm. it was because the, you know, the beer had made me feel good, which is true. Yeah. But what I've seen since that time is that the beer released all the pressure or the noise that I had building up inside of me from the mm-hmm. trauma. Mm-hmm. That was gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Suddenly I wasn't a bad person. Mm-hmm. Suddenly I could fit in. 
I seemed like I, you know, I could connect with other people. I could feel safe mm-hmm. within myself. Mm-hmm. So that, that's what I was after. So it was in that moment. So all the compressed emotion, all the feelings, all the frustration, whatever the, the compulsive behavior is, is the release valve. To there say, you go. Hey, this is, this is dealt with. This that's my next, <laughs> that's my next little I can't think of the little little icon. Yeah, <laughs> okay. yeah. The pressure cooker has steam coming out of it. Yeah. 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 Right. Right. So these behaviors are how we're releasing the steam. Mm. Right. It's how we're controlling the effects of the trauma. Mm. Right. Okay. Right. But guess what? <laughs> it doesn't work long term. No. Yeah. So it's not going to release enough pressure, right? And these are all what we call the sympathetic behaviors. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. We're trying to get rid of our fear and we're trying to get rid of our anger because that's mm-hmm. what the, the sympathetic nervous system does. Mm-hmm. But when we can't control them anymore, what are we going to do, right? The lid's going to blow off. Have you ever heard a lid blow off a pressure cooker? yeah it's a fucking bomb it just you know destroys everything makes a big mess and that's the acting (laughs) out you guys yes yeah that's when we lose the conscious contact of anything Mm -hmm. and we're just on our own we're gonna go act out at that time Mm -hmm. now it doesn't mean that we're not trying to control noise by planning sexual activity or planning types of things or having euphoric recall or fantasy or things like that, because those are all attempts to relieve the pressure too. But it's when we cross the line, when we go dorsal vagal and complete unconscious Mm. is what I've found is what's the acting out piece. Mm -hmm. So, So by dorsal vagal, you mean like, I don't know why I'm doing it and yet I'm doing it anyways. We just do it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I love the big book because, you know, when was that written in 39? Yeah. How much, how much does Bill talk about this? Mm-hmm. Right. That we just have no defense against the first drink that we just mm-hmm. do it. Mm-hmm. Even though it means we're going to ruin ourselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, all this adds up to make sense in a neuroscientific way. If we view what's going on inside of a person by looking at their autonomic nervous system, Mm -hmm. how it's been damaged and what they're doing to try unconsciously to mitigate that damage. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Wow. I hope I answered the question and I don't know if any of this made sense to you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it absolutely did. It absolutely did. Absolutely. Uh, I, I take it you uh, would second the opinions of Dr. Bessel van der Kolk uh, that the body does keep the score, that these traumas are stored in the body. That's exactly it. Yeah, yeah. But what I also, you know, and I don't know if Bessel wrote this because I haven't read that book in a really long time. But one of the biggest things that I see trauma does, it, 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 No matter what happens to us, it's traumatic. It ends up becoming about us. Mm. Right. 
it ends up becoming about our worth, our value, what we did wrong, because we can't do anything else. You know, we have to have, we try to get some type of agency over what happened to us. And if we're believing these, these really negative beliefs, then that gives us some sense of agency, even though they're destructive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But you're right. But, you know, all these guys come in. The first thing I have them do is write down. I have a whole list of negative beliefs. Mm. First day, the first thing they do is I have them look at that list and I have them write down what they think about themselves. Mm. And they're, it's not ever pretty. Yeah. And I do the same <laughs> thing the last day and yeah. they're completely changed. Yes. Okay. I want them to see that they can do change within themselves, mm-hmm. right? Just by simply learning how, what, what's going on in their nervous autonomic nervous system and how they can affect it in a positive way. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of really sad, you know, now I'm on my soapbox that we don't teach this in school, that we have this system inside of us that's responsible for pretty much everything we think, say, and do, (laughs) but we never talk about it. Yeah, yeah. Right? And how that system, how how it's tuned is how we're going to respond to life, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I describe my years of, years of fruitlessly battling this addiction as uh, doing irrational things for non-rational reasons, trying to solve the problem by rational means. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's pretty accurate. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're a little crazy. Yeah. And what, what are we all after with this? You know, it's very, very simple. In our addiction, we're after what the social engagement system is supposed mm-hmm. to provide, mm-hmm. which is safety. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And unfortunately, it works momentarily. Mm-hmm. We get momentary feelings of safety, but they don't last. Mm-hmm. And then it's repetitive because every time we do it, we feel more unsafe. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think the question begs is, you know, you're talking about taking men through a process where they can learn to emotionally regulate within themselves. That's and yet the, we, yeah. Yes. That's what we're meant to do. I, I agree with you. And yet the majority of recovery processes is act your way into a better life. You yep. know, do, do these behaviors, follow this system, you know, do the, you know, walk out these steps and it's, it's, I mean, as Nate, you were saying, rational reasons. So what is it that somebody can do? Just I, I, It'd be great for everybody to come through your process. What is it that somebody can do in recovery to begin to be kinder to themselves and believe there is change possible within me? They really have to start looking at what hurt them. Yeah. Okay, I don't know where, where, you know, if it's common where you guys are, but in Colorado – well, particularly in Boulder, where I am, people aren't afraid to talk about trauma anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, when I came in, it was, that's an outside issue. Shut the hell up. Mm-hmm. Talk yeah, about yeah, the solution. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's yeah. the solution is to put the plug in the jug, right? Yeah. yeah. And don't drink anymore. But we really have to focus on, you know, the people who want to get better have to focus on what hurt them. Mm. Yeah. Because until they do, until they can provide some type of empathy for themselves, mm. for what they went through, not self-pity, empathy. Yeah. You know, I'm really sorry you went through that little guy, right? Mm. That they're going to be able to translate that empathy to, you know, their wounded partners now and mm. their, you know, their wounded spouses. So it's really about, hey, you know, the 12 steps are amazing. But in my in my feeling with the 12 steps, I never got to the trauma piece. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Now the four step and the 10th step or the, the nightly review is amazing because it can teach us what's triggering us mm-hmm. to, you know, act in certain ways. But we have to really know, hey, you know, this did this to me. Mm. And this made me believe this about myself Mm. and asking myself, how am I still proving these beliefs true? Mm. Right. Because we have to provide our, we have to prove our beliefs true. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it, it, it is a process. It is, you know, it, it's something that everybody can do on their own. You know, they can go to therapists. They could even survey themselves. They can write down and say, you know, where did my needs, these three needs that I outline, where were they not met? Mm-hmm. And yeah. how did they affect me? Mm-hmm. And how am I trying to get them met on my own through mm-hmm. self-reliance? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I don't know if that answered it quite. Yeah. Enough. But I mean, I think it definitely answered because if if we provide a framework for um, doing life better without healing the cancer underneath, like you're talking about the rash and the wound underneath, then it's just going to keep coming back. And then that negative reinforcing talk of, well, I can't do even this right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Here, I've started doing recovery and I, I suck at this, too. Yeah. yeah. And so that experience of of being uh, kind to myself. I'm, I'm still just, uh, I'm still processing, frankly, you know, uh, because my context has always been doing that in group work as well and having other people offer me the things through reflecting my harms back to me that I couldn't see. That's right. Uh, because on my own, I just think it was normal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you that's know. the bad part. It's like, yeah, that wasn't too normal. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And, and so, but if we're witnessed in that, then people can, can give us perspective on, mm-hmm. you know, and compassion as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. It's just like, it, it just amazes me when these guys are doing their timelines, just how much compassion. I mean, the other mm-hmm. guys are crying. Yeah. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. They're feeling the wounds and they're learning that for themselves as well. Yep. Yeah. 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 Right. They're they're seeing. Wow. This is this really hurt me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. We're proving the adage that one man's work is every man's work. Mm. Uh, that's what happens in group work. That's right. 
Well, Dr. Barta, I am quite certain that there are going to be those in the audience who, after uh, listening to this show, are going to want to make contact with you. What's the best way for them to do that? To go to my website, which is just drmichaelbarta.com. All right. Wonderful. Yeah, that's the best way to get a hold of me. Okay. Yeah. Well, enjoy what's left of the day up there in beautiful Montana. Thank you for stepping inside to talk with us. Uh, This has been a wonderful conversation. Well, thanks so much for having me, guys. All right. Listeners, stay with us. We'll be back in a moment on the Pirate Monk Podcast. Wow, that was a great conversation. I I love talking with... uh, Dr. Michael Barta, and just, I mean, the thing I love about him is is his ability to explain very heady and complex concepts. I mean, I am, I I love studying, but, but he's talking about neurobiology and three levels of the brain and he just breaks it down and makes that trauma piece so accessible. It was awesome to sit here and listen to what he had to say. Well, I had fun, you know, unfortunately, this is an audio podcast, not a video podcast. That, That may change. In the future, Maybe. we may step up at some point. But for now, yeah. I alone got to watch you vibe to uh, Dr. Uh, Barta talk. And I could just see uh, he was uh, he was singing your song. Oh, it's, it's definitely a, a brother from another mother. Uh, <laughs> a, a much more intelligent and well-educated. And I'm a little jealous. He gets to spend his time over in the Rockies. So uh, he definitely has a lot of wisdom. You know what? I got, as, I, as you talked about it, I'm thinking I kind of like his schedule. You work yeah. his ass off for a week, yes, once a month, yes, and then he can go to Montana. That's the way I'm at. I'm that sure that sounds like a Nate Larkin that. schedule to me. That's definitely <laughs> your style. <laughs> oh my! Well, uh, I am just thrilled by the growing availability of practical help for people mm. who've been ensnared, mm. especially in sex addiction. Yes. We have been, you know, the redheaded stepchildren of recovery for too long. Uh, it, personally, I believe that the problem that you and I uh, have faith and are dealing with and are helping with is the most prevalent in modern culture. Yes. Uh, and I also think it is doing incalculable, invisible damage. Yes. Uh, but from time to time, what is hidden below the surface erupts in the life of a man or a couple, and it's no longer deniable. It's devastating. For a long time, there was no place to go. Today, there are resources. Yes. And, uh, I also loved what Dr. Barta said that there so much new knowledge came to light from 2017 to today that it was actually time to incorporate that new research, fine tune the system, bring in some new insights, and get even more deliberate in our healing efforts. And I think that's super encouraging because in just three years, that shift can happen. I mean, where, where are we going? And, yeah. and I do agree with you that that the the struggle of sexual brokenness is is really it, it it's a heart struggle. I mean, if you want yeah. to call it this, we've both been in this space. It's a spiritual struggle. It's a struggle for the identity and purpose of every man and woman who who is there. Yeah. So I love that he is 
And I love that he's personally investing in this. He's taking these guys through this journey himself and doing that hard work um, to be able to connect because, I mean, that's, that is an investment, even though he's, you know, we're just doing like we learned once a month, uh, mm-hmm. these five day retreats intensives, man, just to, human to human person to person to be able to care for these guys like that. That's, that's really, really encouraging. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I am especially enamored with the intensive model. Yes. Uh, because uh, it's, it's doable in a way that, like, it, don't get me wrong, I would love for any man to do a 90-day residential treatment with skilled therapists. Yeah. Uh, hell, I would love to do a 90-day. Yeah, let's go. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's just go. Any, uh, if anybody's willing to scholarship us, you just let us know, and we'll be glad uh, to tell you all to, about it. You bet. Because you bet. <laughs> I am better, but I am not well. Yeah. Uh, there's still much more healing to be done. But I know that in the meantime, uh, especially as the issues come more into focus and our tools get more precise, uh, we gain more wisdom in this space, that, uh, man, it's amazing how much can be done Mm. in an intensive. Uh, If it's just a weekend or a five-day or a seven-day intensive, you can get – my experience, uh, the one five-day intensive I've done, uh, I got more done in five days than I was able to accomplish in two years. Yes, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, Chris, thanks for joining me this time. Yeah. And I think uh, you've been drafted to kind of sit in uh, and uh, uh, take controls here for a, for a few episodes. I'm really looking forward to it. Me too. And I don't want any, any of the guys to forget, uh, you know, the time is coming close that we've got a big Samson summit coming up. You know, we really enjoyed the time with our guys, yeah, uh, yeah. In, in a retreat. And, uh, if you're listening to this and you're just waiting to sign up for the summit in Van, Texas at Sky Ranch, November 3rd through the 5th, I really, really think you need to, to just go ahead and go over to the, the website, samsonsociety.com, click on the link there and register for your participation, because you're not going to want to miss exactly what uh, Dr. Barta talked about was the these experiences, man-to-man, person-to-person of connecting. That, to me, I love Adam Young. Looking forward to Adam Young. I love the breakout groups. But to be around the fire, connecting with those guys, telling my story, and just getting the trauma out and feeling the acceptance and the care for it, I mean, that is worth far more than the registration fee. It's worth, it's priceless. You know, it's interesting, Chris, as I talk with uh, longtime Samson guys and they tell their story. It's Mm -hmm. amazing to me how many guys will mark their attendance at one of the national retreats. This will be the 10th one. Yes. As the pivotal moment. That's when they turn the corner in their recovery. That's when they found their footing. it's a, it's an amazing time that weekend. So once again, tell us tell us the weekend, November third through the fifth. All uh, right, this year, and it's in Van, Texas, about an hour and a half east of Dallas. You can fly into Dallas. I, I live in Mobile, Alabama. We're driving up with a group of guys. It's going to be about eight hours, mm-hmm. but uh, it's you know there's been a lot of planning put into it. There's a wonderful uh, co- conference center that we're going to be staying at called Sky Ranch. There's plenty yeah. of activities. There's plenty of connection time. 
Um, it's just going to be a, a wonderful experience to do what you just said, have that memorable mark in the recovery journey to say, I was here, I connected, and things began to change. Yeah, yeah. And you can even get, if you, uh, if you like road trips and you're some distance from Van, Texas, you can get a jump on the retreat by getting some guys together and starting that connection on the road. Yeah, it, yeah. Makes, it, it makes it a four-day weekend. <laughs> that's, that's it, that's it. All right, well, that's it for this episode. Until next time, I'm Nate. And I'm Chris. And we are your pals on the Pirate Mark Podcast. The Pirate Monk Podcast is produced by members of the Samson Society. Send your feedback or questions to piratemonkpodcast at gmail.com. Please give us a five-star review on iTunes and share the podcast with a friend. For more information, please visit samsonsociety.com.